Welcome to season two of the Let's Talk podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church, where we talk about what it's like to be a Christian Monday through Saturday, to be a person of faith in a culture against faith. Okay, so let's talk about uh, micro-level care that the church can provide in times of disaster. I do want this to be a little bit of a conversation, um, because a lot of it ends up being... uh, pastoral care and things of that nature uh, I think or that's the church's role in that would be pastoral care at a micro level and then there is some interconnected working up the chain that we'll talk about um, but you were asking me what what I meant by micro level care? Yeah. So off camera, Clayton and I were talking, and yes. I, I just said, "Hey, what what do you mean by that term, micro level care? Is that mm. personal? Because that's that's when he said that, my mind went to personal care, one to one ratios of care. Correct. Um, which you care for the individual person that comes to you or that you know needs it, right? Um, one-on-one interactions. You would think about this very um, counselor-ish type situation. Like, and I put the ish um, because sometimes that role could be played by a friend, you know, a community member that just like sits there and lets you talk. Yeah. And um, you just sit and be human with them, right? Um, This sort of, it's not therapeutic care, but it is therapeutic type relationship. Yeah. Um, And then maybe some pastoral care in there also. Um, But it's just allowing you to be upset and to care for you emotionally, individually. So, uh, so just clarifying, mm-hmm. does that mean it's an exclusive emotional care relationship? Because, you know, in times Correct. of disaster... People have physical needs. Yeah. Right. That's where I'm getting to. Okay. It could also be a connection to a mezzo-level issue. Okay. Right. That is this kind of in-between. We talked about this last week. Um, because now you're talking about community care. Right, and you're meeting an individual need that is a community issue. Yeah, you're meeting a community need for an individual. Correct. Okay. Um, so you end up having that connection to a mezzo level, right? Um, but it is looking at the person holistically. Okay. And looking at person first, not need first. This is the thing that I really wanted to get out of the micro level. You still have to remember, yes, this person has a need, but don't forget that they're a person first. So many times when churches try to get involved in issues like this, it becomes very much like um, personal growth, a kind of marketing scheme. Oh, do this so you come to a church service? Yeah. So when, when churches generally do this thing, it turns into that. Hey, let, you, let me make you my Jesus. Like, let me create in your mind my version of Jesus, which means coming to our church, asses and seats, more money, more power. 
It's about right. conversion. Yeah. It, it is all this kind of, uh, colonialism. <laughs> like, well, I think it, yeah. Like so it's, it's, yeah, I hear it's what you're this saying. Colonization idea. What's well, no, um, it, yeah, it is, but specifically conversion because correct. yeah. So evangelicalism comes with this core tenet of conversion mm-hmm. and, in that, I'm using that word specifically, not that I'm against conversion. I think the Bible and Paul specifically speaks to conversion. Absolutely. Um, but what I what I am kind of poo-pooing on here about conversion is that white evangelicalism, which what you're speaking to, mm-hmm. created a system designed to convert people. Correct. That they then used that power over them for uniformity. Correct. Lack of expression. We took art out of the church. Mm-hmm. Lots of things. So yeah, I yeah. Conversion is not a bad thing, but correct. it's also a bad thing. Right. Absolutely. One hundred and ten percent. You are correct. Um and yes, that is what I'm speaking to. And that's why they want to go do these things is for the purpose of converting right. people. They because they're not looking at them as person first. Right. They're looking at what there is they're, a need. They're looking at them as the. They're looking at them as a number. Correct. This is we talked about this. We talked about this yesterday on a closer look. This is the pro. This is the common problem in these situations. Is we look at people as numbers, problems to be solved. Mm-hmm. We don't remember that they are a human. So one way that I have seen that this has been fixed. <coughs> Don't tell the old Baptists, but like Catholics, um, they do this thing much better than us. The benevolence thing, yeah. Um, How so? They present a solution to an issue, and it's generally open for anyone. Right, so many like homeless shelters that are like owned by Catholic churches. That is all they are. Oh, you so right. That is the church. The church like, operates them Catholic, as an overhead. Correct. Cost. Catholic charities is a different thing that, like, I, I'm not talking about here. This is a separate institution that is run by people who are Catholic. However, it is not. Dic- it is not governed by the church directly. Right, so let, let's yeah. set that as a as a separate thing. But the community involvement and the individual level care of the Catholic Church is solely based on how can I meet your individual need. No questions asked. Um, I'm thinking about so uh, the Christus Spondus Hospital chain. Okay, I don't even know what that is. Uh, it's it's big. That's here. not saying much, though. right? It, it's big here in um, in Texas. Okay, I, I just learned about this from uh, a friend of mine who has actually just gotten a job there, um, or with one of their hospitals, um, and they were telling me the story about how the hospital got started. These these nuns came from Spain. And um, during, like, I, I think it was yellow fever, they came from Spain, and they set up shop in Corpus. Okay. Um, and 
Because it was a port city they came into? Or yeah, like, I guess so. Okay. Like, they, they just set up in Corpus. Um, and they start the Christus Spondus hospital system. Okay. They open a hospital because these are nurses. And um, they start a hospital. They start caring for people. And it just kind of grows and expands. And this is how we got the Christus Spondus hospital system. Next, um, they start the um, Incarnate Word Academy. Um, a school. Hey, there's an Incarnate Word University in San Antonio. University of the Incarnate Word. Okay. Same. It came from the same system. Okay, but those places charge. They do. But, okay, hold on. Okay, Pause apologies. For a second. apologies. It didn't start that way. Oh, it's grown and evolved, but it started it as a started care It started as an individual care organization. Hell yeah. And that's the same way with the hospital. Correct. Okay. You got to remember, this was started by nuns, right? These, these women are not allowed to be paid. They can't take a profit off you're of so, anything they do. You're so right. It started at a level of, hey, I see that there is a need here. Also, these are women doing this. Like, let's (laughs) set that as a huge, big thing. Women are not motivated by money. (laughs) And men think everybody's motivated by money. And that's why they don't let women that work for the church be paid. Because they think they're motivated by money. They're not. But (laughs) these are nuns. Yeah. In like the 18th century, 18th, 19th century, something like that. I don't, I don't exactly remember. They're not being paid. They, they have no income, and that is still true. Nuns yeah. do not Nuns have income. Nuns don't get paid. Neither do priests, right? So once you step into this, yes, there is a power element and conversations that are uncomfy, that happen in all churches, not just Catholic churches. Well, yeah, so priests don't. Priests can't take an income. Correct. They can't take a profit. But people buy them gifts. Yeah, and there's a like an ethical thing that is talked about there. But also, um, maybe you're not um, making an income, but your congreg you have so much power over your congregation. Yeah, and sometimes that does corrupt. Right. Let's yeah, yeah, let's yeah, keep yeah, that sure. as a Well, this is I tell you this all the time. I tell everybody this. People think money and power are synonymous. They are not. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden is the most powerful man in the free world. He makes four hundred thousand dollars a year. Money is not power. Yeah. And same thing that like I want to talk about here, but also let's set this as a separate standard when you are not looking at as people as numbers. Because you're not being paid, it literally makes it about the mission of about caring the for the human. Yep. That about individual micro-level relationship. You have to see person first. Yeah, for sure. You cannot see number. You cannot, you cannot even see issue. Yeah, that's good. When you see issue first, it becomes the care becomes about caring for the issue and not caring for the human. Well, it's now it's a problem I have to solve. Right. It's not a human that I have to care for. Absolutely. Um, so, lots of friends in healthcare around us. Yep. 
Well, and Mike's wife, who, I mean, Clayton interacted with for, I don't know, 20 years, it seems like. Yeah. Um, was a nurse. Yeah. Right. Healthcare all around our family. Healthcare all around us. Our sister is a paramedic. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who is an EMT. And also, our sister has also communicated this to me before. It is so easy to end up dehumanizing your patient. Yep. Just to get through the end of your shift. Yep. Um, and they pointed this out to me. That if you end up looking at this patient, at looking at this person as, you know, a heart attack. Not as Joe Blow who had a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. It ends up creating a very different level of care where you're just meeting the one need well, and leaving de- out everything else. You dehumanize them. You dehumanize them and you are making them a problem. It's that, it's that cat with the heart attack. Yeah. yeah. You are making them a problem. You are not making them a human with a problem. So true. When you assign their problem to them, the victims in Florida, right, who who lived through that hurricane, these survivors of Hurricane Even, uh, Hurricane Hurricane Ian, Ian um, they are not. Um, they are not the ones that like whose houses were flooded. They are individual people whose houses were flooded. These these human beings who have other lives, other issues, their home was taken from them. Yeah. Their brother, sister's cousin died. Yeah. Right? Whatever the situation is, this is a huge traumatic issue that does affect entire communities and entire groups of people. And because of the system that we live in, disproportionate care, right? Also a thing. So like the lower income community, right? Typically end up being hit harder by these things. Yeah. Um, you end up creating the, you end up looking at these people as their own issues. Yeah. Or at this macro issue. You categorize an individual by a macro level issue. You are jumping like three steps. There still needs to be care at a macro level, which is policy change and things of that nature that, yeah. that we're going to talk about. Well, but the only um, way to talk about macro level stuff is to do it in numbers, unfortunately. Correct. Which is the problem when you do it at an individual personal relationship level. And that is where I actually think that the church shines the most. Because at a macro level, the church, it's, it's iffy, but the church can do more at a micro and mezzo level. Right, we can sit down with a person and sometimes just cry with them. Yeah. Feel the hurt with them. Sometimes it's just as simple as that. And you know what? Maybe it's uh, Sister Sue that sits in the second pew on Sunday mornings. Yeah. um, That just goes and sits with her neighbor. Yeah. And just cries with her. You're so right. 
the church, the church has the because what you're asking for is presence. You're yes. asking for human bodies to be present and sitting in front of another human body and the ability and capacity to provide empathy and care. Correct. In presence. Correct. The church has presence and abundance of little old Sister Sue's. All over the place. Well, and, you know, other people can do this as well. You know who I often find is some of the best at offering presents? Moms. Yeah. Absolutely. Moms. Yeah. Who generally are involved in the community anyways because of the stereotypical role of what a mom looks like mm -hmm. in the South. And so... Or even in the non-stereotypical role, they're in... Anyways, because they're in the workplace. Yeah. And if they're in the workplace, odds are it's two or three times over. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. You are so right. Moms. Um, but also, also, pastors don't hear me saying you don't need to be going to these people's houses and crying with them. Because you damn sure better be. It's true. So true. So yes, true. you also have your own issues, and there are people that can care for you. Yeah, and you need those people to care for you. But like you are, culture comes from the top. Well, look, here's the deal: we all did it when we came on as pastors. We signed up to be at everybody's pity party. Mm -hmm. That's literally what we are a profession of care, uh, where we have masqueraded as profession of communicators but we're first and foremost a profession of care and because of conversion and professionalization of ministry and all that we've turned into a profession of communicators mm. but we are and we are designed to be a profession of care absolutely um yeah first and foremost we are a profession of care and so if you've signed up for this gig you knew you signed up to care for people um, and be present with them in really hard times. Yep. Um, now, the luxury is if you are a pastor and you're listening to this, and if you're not, I want you to hear me, a pastor, saying what your pastor is allowed to do. They are allowed to be present in their own ways. Mm. You can't expect that they're going to cry with you. For sure. I will be present with anyone that's going through a tragedy. I won't cry with all of them. Uh, heard. I mean, yeah. But presence, yeah, we yeah. signed up to be at everybody's pity party. Um, so I, I will give I will give credit to um my my youth pastor in um one of the fundamentalist churches I went to. Um there was a huge tragedy in the community like right before I had moved there. I remember this. Um and my youth pastor used to love to tell this story where he would um, just, like, we would, he was not your traditional kind of, he did his own thing. He moved to the beat of his own drum. Um, and I loved it. I went it. to college with this guy. Yeah, I loved it. It was awesome. And he straight up told me one time, because, like, I asked him to kind of, like, talk me through pastoring, you know, I want to do this thing. And so I kind of asked him to mentor me. And so he told me the story a lot, reminded me of the story of how when he got the phone call about this one tragedy that happened in the community, it had a large impact 
on one family. I don't have the permission to tell this right. story, so I'm yep. not giving details. But it had a huge impact on this one family. And so he went and just sat and cried with them. And so that's the metaphor I use for presence because Jesus wept. Jesus wept, my favorite verse in the Bible. You are allowed to have your own feelings and emotions. Yep. So yeah, express them how you need to. Be human with them. Be human. Go and sit and mourn and express your shit your own way. Yeah, it also makes you more human. Correct. Just go be human with these people. Yeah. That is what I mean by micro-level care. The church needs to learn to be human with the community and with individuals. Thanks for listening to the Let's Talk podcast hosted by Wellhouse Church. Be sure to give us a rating and a review if you enjoyed the episode. It's free and it helps us immensely. Also, feel free to check out our other podcasts.